Amen. Thank you, guys. Well, we thank you, Lord. We honor you. We worship you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father, that who you are and, Father, that you've chosen us. We thank you that you've taken us from the life we had to the life we have now. And we thank you, Lord. We honor you. We love you. Say, have your way this morning, Lord. Let your word be illuminated through me in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. 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 You can be seated. Well, awesome to be with you again. We had an awesome weekend hearing God's voice three, so it's been a great weekend, easy to preach today because we've just gone from activating preaching into preaching. So, yeah, it was a great time. So one of the funniest things was we blindfolded Pastor Thomas and what we do is we blindfold him, we tell him there's someone standing in front of you to prophesy over and he had to bring the prophetic word and we stood Sandy in front of him. So it was amazing. He gave her a very accurate word, wasn't it? Incredible. Yet if we asked him in the natural to prophesy over his wife, it's always a bit of a because you think you know everything about your wife and and he brought her really. So he did real well and all the others did great. It was fun to see people stretched and growing in their gifting. But today I really want to speak about um, building relationships. And I really feel that as, uh, as a body of Christ, as the kingdom of God, one of the biggest areas that we've lacked and one of the biggest areas I feel that the Lord wants us to get a handle on and to move into is unity. And uh, my prayer for Forever Church is that we'll be forever in unity, forever in lifting each other up. And, and I'm proud of the team we have. I know amongst the leaders of just lifting up, of loving one another, um, of just the teams. Where I genuinely see that love, but I feel like we have to guard that and we have to really build that as others come in. We have a standard that we have And that's the standard, okay? We want to keep our standard and go higher. And so I believe it's something, you know, the Lord talks about where the brethren dwell in unity, he commands a blessing. He commands a blessing. And so when you're not walking in unity with people, you're going to realize God, you're asking God to bless you, but he can't because it goes against what he says. Where the brethren dwell in unity, I command a blessing. So if you're not in unity with your other brothers and sisters, now I'm not saying we don't have to love everybody in that way that they're our best friends and we have the, the, but we've got to have that general where we're lifting up each other. Come on. Where we're building the kingdom. And you know, even this morning, the Lord reminded me of the scripture in John 13, 35. By this all who know, that you are my disciples, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. He doesn't say by the great miracles that you do. He doesn't say about the, the great building that you have. He doesn't say about the great worship that you have. He says that he, you will know by the love you have for one another. Why did he say that? Because that's hard to find these days. Come on, unity is hard to find. Unity is something that the enemy works to have the body in disunity because he understands the power when we unite together. The power when we're one God commands a blessing, but the power of people uniting together, the power of people working together. You see it all the time when communities begin to work together, when people begin to drop everything else. You know, one of the things, like I said, we 
we have the privilege, uh, Mayor Mel was here last weekend, of being part of the Destin Week of Blessing. And it's the most incredible thing how God has blessed that community. When disaster struck in that region, theirs was the only one that wasn't affected. And I believe it's because of what they do as pastors, as leaders of the city, saved and unsaved, they unite together. One thing that they unite together, as Mayor Mel was saying, is that we are all family if you have this postcode. See, in Forever Church, we're all family. Purely because the Bible says, as well, come on, we all love the same God. We all love Jesus. And talks about in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, it says two are better than one. See, God designed us to have fellowship. He designed us to be reproducers. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one alone keep warm? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, one of the things is building relationships takes time. It takes time to build relationships. It doesn't just happen. You've got to begin to just put yourself... You know, a lot of people say, oh, I've got no friends, I'm lonely, I, I don't have anybody. And I say, well, they say, no one talks to me, no one invites me. I'm like, well, what do you do? Come on, you've got to put... You've got to be a friend. You've got to, if you're lonely, you've got to put yourself out there. You've got to build relationships. You've got to step out until you get some friends. You know what? If you don't succeed the first time, then keep trying, keep trying. Building relationships. Come on, you have to put... God never does... The devil, I love what Dr. Bill Hammond said. He always says, the banana that is separated from the bunch is peeled and devoured by the enemy. See, that's what he wants to do. He always wants to separate you from the bunch. He wants to isolate you from church. He wants to isolate you from people. So then on your own, you're easily devoured by the enemy. You have to be willing to invest in relationships. It may be a little awkward at first. It may even seem a waste of time. But you've got to be willing to do something. Come on. Too often we're always waiting for everything to come to us, everything to fall. But you've got to be willing to do something. Step out there. It's not easy. I, I know when the Lord shifted me from a big church to a little church and to nobody that I had anything in common with. Many of you heard me say before, when he moved us into full-time ministry, I went from a church of 5,000 people, heaps of young people. I was 30, my age, young babies. And then he put me with a whole heap of people other than the leader, no one under 50. Talking about things that I didn't even want to talk about. <laughs> Come on, on a different playing, a different... But that was my destiny. And see, I had to begin to realize that this is where the Lord has placed me. And I had to come across the barrier of, oh, they're all old women or they're all... Bob was one of them, as many have heard me say. And now we're the closest friend. She's been the greatest blessing to... She's got younger, yeah. She's been the blade, great, the, blade, the greatest blessing to the ministry and to us. 
And I know to many of you here in this church. Now, I didn't know that back then what the Lord was doing, but I had to get rid of my mindset at the time. Relationships keep us balanced. They keep you balanced. Hear others' point of view or someone else's slant on something. You know what I think? If, if someone really agitates you, then you need to hang around them a little bit longer <laughs> till they don't agitate you. Find out what it is. Come on, it's usually something that God's trying to deal with in you. Come on. And then you move somewhere else and that person will be next to you again. You go to work and that person will be next to you again. Usually it means that God's trying to do something in you. Come on, he's trying to work something. But it's good to hear other people's opinions. Sometimes we get so set in our ways about what we think, what we believe or the way we think it should be. It's good to be around other people. Listen to other people. Hear what they're saying. I believe relationships have continuous returns. Continuous returns. If you're willing to invest to be vulnerable. And I know sometimes the hardest thing when you've been hurt or if you've suffered rejection, one of the hardest things is to put yourself out there again. But you know what? The only person that wants to do that is the devil. He wants to keep you isolated. He wants to keep you away. He wants to keep you hurt. He wants to keep you afraid. But God wants you to be in relationship with people. Come on. He wants you to be there to be blessed. You've got to, everybody has something to give. You've got things to give to people and people have got things to give to you. Relationships keep us accountable. Come on, it keeps accountability when you have relationships. When you're all on your own, especially church relationships. When we have people who just come to church on Sunday and then never mix with anyone from church the rest of the week. There's no accountability in that. And often, for me, it's a little bit of a red flag. If you're not mixing, come on, with church people. If you're not getting, you should want to be around people like that. You should want to be around a, a iron sharpens iron. Come on, you, we need each other. We can be around, but if you're only a church on Sunday and then the rest of the week you spend your time with all unsafe people, what's going to be your greatest influence? We need each other. It helps keep you accountable. We can pray for each other, have fun together, hang out together, celebrate with special occasions. And one of the greatest things is when you belong to a family and church is watching. You know, it's like now seeing Chris single, but there'll come a day where Chris will be married. And we'll all celebrate in that. And then Chris will be a dad and we'll all celebrate in that. Come on, it's all, that's what it's about as a family. When we see someone, it's like all, all us matchmakers and would be we're thinking, wow, that'd be, wouldn't they be good? And we watch, we're watching, they're going, oh, they look good together. Oh, they look good together. Come on, that's part of family. The joy is we want to see them happy. We want to see them. And seeing Alex and Kylie have Macy and going through the, the struggles. And we were there as a family to pray for them and believe for them. Imagine if they'd been on their own. Imagine if they didn't have people praying and knowing that they got family and church family to pray for them to lift them up to be there for them but see that's if they never told us 
If they just come to church on Sunday and then the middle of the week she went in and had her baby and never told anyone she'd had the baby, we wouldn't know what was going on. But see, they're in relationship. They want family. They belong here. This is their home. They've made it their home. So then in their time of need, all of us can press in and believe God for the miracle that we now see today. Come on, when you're going through stuff, you need your chance. You're going to go through some things in your life. You're going to need your church family to be praying for you to believe it. But a lot of people say, oh, no one cares about me. No one prays for me. Well, if you don't tell people, if you're not in relationship in the church, if you're not in community, we're not mind readers. We might be prophets, but we don't know everything. Come on, there's things you have to divulge. There's things you have to say. Hey, I'm in need. I need some help. I need some prayer. That's what family and barber. But if you're in relationship with people, when if you belong to a connect group or you go to a group, someone will notice that you're missing. Surely. <laughs> no. <laughs> someone will call you up after 10 weeks and say, we haven't, no, just joking. <laughs> But that's why, and one of the, our mandates and one of the, the visions and the goal for this church is teams. We want to raise up teams that are strong in evangelism, in pastoral, in healing, come on, in the prophetic, in financial, in government, in youth. In, we want to have, because where there are teams, there's a strength. You begin to belong. You might have joined a team because you like the prophetic or you like the healing or you like you might have joined it because of something you like, but what'll happen on that team, you might be twenty and there'll be a fifty year old on the team. And someone that you wouldn't maybe normally connect with at church, you will connect with just because you're at that team together. See, I believe the devil tries to put the age barrier. Come on, he tries to put in the generational thing, Generation X, and we can't relate to them, and Y and Z and B. Brad knows all the generations. What am I, Generation what? X. I thought I was the one down. Isn't he X? I know the younger one, the one below that. I'm the same generation as you. Well, that's good. I can handle that. I'm Brad's generation. Greg's the other one. He, he's one above me. <laughs> But see, the enemy's tried to label and he's tried to put a wedge and say, come on, the young people can't connect with older people. But it's not like that. Come on, in the kingdom of God, relationships is not about age. It's about someone that you connect with, someone you can sit down with, someone you can enjoy and have time with. Age is nothing. And I was just talking to Carol during the week and talking about even in our family, seeing the generations. It's like there's parts that our Houston, and six and so there's parts that he'll ask papa about his tattoo and about the war and, and all those things i can't fill in those gaps come on i can't do that because i don't know that and there'll be questions that the kids need to know about the family and the generation that we have no idea about and frankly some of them i'm really most probably not interested in but someone's got i've heard it before yeah yeah i know that it's it's in my file of knowledge yep yep but really, but still they need to know that. Come on, and who's going to tell them that? It's like Carol loves flowers, so she's the one who'll teach the kids all about flowers and gardens, not me. <laughs> I'll teach them how to kill them. She'll teach, she'll, she'll teach the kids how to rip the, the heads off the um, caterpillars. 
grasshoppers. You see Mama Bali, you get, if a grasshopper gets on her plant, she will pull it off and rip its head off. That's how much she loves her plants. She loves her plants. You get on her plant, you dirty rotten caterpillar, she's going to rip your head off. That's how much she loves her plants. Well, that's what we should be like about, come on, God loves us so much. Come on, we should, that's the love we have for one another. You get on my person, devil, and I'm going to rip your head off. But see, there's parts of the generation, there's gaps of it that we can't fill in or maybe that we're just not that interested to fill in. But she loves that. They love those things and they can fill in the gap for the next generation to make it completely whole. All the generations, come on. You'll be surprised at who God has you have friends with. And I believe that it's healthy not to just stick to our age group or young married or I love that we just have teams here of interest, teams of interest, what you're interested in, because then that crosses across all barriers. Come on, that crosses across, it's an interest. Whereas when you have Youth group, when we have those, but if you just have young marrieds or have this or have that, you're isolating to that type of person. But it's good to go right across, connect from generation to generation. Support uh, relationships, support us in good times and bad. That's why it's important to have them. How good is it to have a friend when you're hurting or when you're sick or when you're going through something? How good is it to have a friend that just thinks about you and encourages you? The Bible demonstrates the connection of relationships. John 1 verse 40 says this. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, we found the Messiah, which is translated Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. See, he talks about who he's connected to. Come on, all the time throughout the Bible, you know, there's times you you read it, who skipped the genealogy? And -and so-and-so belonged to so-and-so and and so. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to waste my time reading that, just get to the scripture. But see, obviously God thought it was important to put all the connections. You ever thought about why is he always saying, he belongs here, I, Paul, a brother, this, and Timothy, my son. Come on, it always talks, and my friend Enos, and my friend Lois, and it always talks about the relationships, the connections. Come on, all the way through the Bible, it lists it. Generations talks about who was whose father, because God felt that relationships were important. He thought that every generation was important. And again, in John 1, verse 43, it says this. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we've found him, who Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. See, even there, they're talking about the connection. He's Jesus, the son of Joseph. You hear it all through. They're talking about relationship, connection. And Nathaniel said, can can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. 
Jesus went to many people's houses. Come on, he connected with people. He was always into connection. He went and sat and he ate. He sat with his disciples. He drawed aside with his disciples. Jesus was relationship. Come on, he built relationships everywhere he went. When you would think about why, why would he bother? He's not going to be there long. Why build relationships? See, he's demonstrating something that is important. The relationships are important. Come on, being together, teamwork. Luke 19 verse 2, it says, Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not get there because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up a tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacharias, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. See, Jesus knew this guy wanted to see him. He said, so he goes and visits his house. Come on. He goes, you know, one of the most, what I always find, you can belong to a big, we belong to a big church. And we could sit in, we used to sit in Nappy Change Alley. There was this section of our church, which was, that's what it was called. It's where all us with babies sat and kids next to the cry room. So we could get our kids out fast. And so, Greg said, so the parents could go there and cry. But no, it was actually for the kids. (laughs) And so we used to sit in this section. And I remember that every Sunday they go and say, say hi to someone, shake someone's hand. And you could do that week after week after week. And you just see people smile, shake hands, hey, doing very casual, very not much in it. But you then invite those people for a meal. If you had lunch with them on Sunday. See, we used to make it every Sunday. Sunday was our day for the house of God. It was our day. We loved going to church. It was an exciting event and we'd always invite someone for lunch. That was just what we did. As a culture, we'd always invite, have lunch with somebody, morning and night. <laughs> and so what we found is that as soon as we had a meal together, then you were best friends. Come on. It crossed the barrier that no longer was just, hi, how you doing? Nice to see you. Once you had a meal together, it broke something out. Then you find you'd have a chat and become friends. It built something. One of the most, the last things that Jesus did was he ate supper with his disciples. Come on, he ate supper with them. I believe one of the most intimate things to do is to share a meal with someone. That's what Jesus did. Communion, common union, coming in that common union together. And I believe that we need to be a culture like that, that we get to know people. Come on, make it a goal. Invite someone for lunch. You don't have to do it every Sunday. But if you're lonely, if you don't know many people at church, make it a goal to have like, you know, it doesn't have to be, what I found is it doesn't have to be an elaborate meal. Well, I found usually easy was a barbecue because I could prepare the salad, do everything before church, and then just get home and throw some sausages and hamburgers. You know, people don't care about the meal. It's the fellowship. Come on. Doing easy things doesn't have to, but it builds something, not just in you, but in other people. Matthew 8 verse 14 is another demonstration. When Jesus had come into Peter's house. He went and visited him in his house. Matthew 9 verse 10. He sat with the sinners and the tax 
collectors. doesn't say he held a meeting or he preached. Come and he sat with them. He knew what it was like to just sit and fellowship with somebody. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house and behold, many tax collectors and sinners came in and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Matthew 9, 23, when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flutes playing and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room for the little girl is not dead but sleeping. See, he always went to the home. He loved getting in people's home. He loved fellowshipping with people. He loved being around people. He'd say to his disciples, come on, come with me and pray. Watch with me and pray. It's the heart of God. Come on, his very words is that people will know where his disciples by what? Our love for one another. If you don't love someone too much or, or they get on your goat in this church, then have a meal with them. And if they still get on your goat, then have another meal with them. <laughs> and another one. Take a, Greg says, take a Macca's first because you can get out quick. No, don't listen to him. <laughs> Come on, build with someone that you don't really know. Come on. Often people can just be a certain way because they're lonely or hurting too. And often how we perceive somebody, when we really get to know them, it's not the case. I've been shocked over my life at some of the people who've become good friends because my first impression is most probably they won't be a friend of mine. (laughs) But God loves to do things like that. Come on. And we laugh about it now and say, she didn't like me and I didn't like her. So it was a mutual thing. (laughs) It wasn't just me not liking her. We didn't like each other. But now we're really, really good, close friends. Come on, sometimes it can just be that first impression thing. People, but we've got to break that down. Come on, as a church, let's get to know some other people. Let's move out of our comfort zone. Let's get to know someone else. We've all got something to offer each other, to lift up, to build up. I know there'll be people in this church that are lonely. Come on, there's people in this church that need what you have and you need what they've got. But we need to do that if we're going to move beyond where we're at now. Come on. The place that we're at now. We've got to develop that culture that we love one another, that we lift up one another, that we protect one another. Philippians 1 verse 3 says this, I thank God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. This is Paul in prison. He's remembering his friends. He's thankful for his friends. He's praying for his friends. You know, Paul was the most incredible person on relationship. He always honored his friends. He talked about his friends. He recommended his friends. He said, I can't wait to be with you. That's what happens when you build friendship. That's what happens when you build community. See, if you're struggling to get to church on Sunday, I would question if you have a lot of community in the church. Because once you build community, once you build friendship, you even if you might be struggling, you want to get to church to get around like-minded, like people. You want to see your friends. You want to be with your friends. It'll be a place that you're excited about because you're going to see your friends. 
It says, it is right for me to feel this way about you since I've had you in my heart, whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. You see, number one here, he affirms his friends. He affirms his friends. He says, I'm always offering prayer. He's not pulling down. If you've got friends in the church, come on, if you're connected with people, then you need to affirm them. Let's celebrate the goodness in people. Everybody can celebrate the weakness and the bad. Everybody can pull down. Everyone can see the bad thing. But let's celebrate the good things in people. Let's see the good thing. Let's affirm our friends. If you've got a friend in this church, then you need to determine in your heart, I'm their friend. I'm not going to pull them down. Come on, I'm not going to join in when someone else is pulling me down. You know what? If you don't have the strength and the boldness to stand up and say, hey, listen, that's my friend. Stop talking about it. Then walk away from the conversation because silence is golden. (laughs) Walk away from the conversation because by you sitting there being part of the conversation, they think you agree with it. And you know, the thing about it is that when we have friends, when you talk about your friend, when you pull down your friend, I want to tell you, it always gets back to that friend. And one of the most hurtful things is to hear that one of your friends someone that you loved, come on, someone who you're with in the church, when you hear back that they're pulling you down, that they're talking about you, come on church, God's raising us all up. And it's not, I'm not just talking to our church, this is a a word to the body. This is a word to the kingdom. God is commanding us to have unity. Come on, to be strong together, to cut a covenant that we will not speak about our friends. Come on, that we'll lift up, that we'll be people that celebrate people, that will affirm our friends. They're not perfect. Well, neither are you. <laughs> None of us are perfect. But let's overlook the bad and look, celebrate. When you start to see the bad in someone, you keep seeing it. But when you start, yeah, yeah, but I see the good. You know, they're a church every Sunday. They love the Lord. You know, he's a good dad or she's a good mom. See the good things in people. That's what Paul does. He affirms his friends. And he thanks God for them. He's praying for his friends. He doesn't pull them down. We need to pray for each other. Pray for your friends when they're going through things. Number two in this is that God is doing a work in us all. He'll complete the work. Come on, people will let you down. But we're all a work in progress. you just got to keep going. Have people on your heart. Have that heart connection. Do you think about other people during the week from church? Come on. Do you ever think about anyone else from church during the week? That's a challenging question. It really gives a bit of an equation on how connected you are, how your friendships are in the church. If our relationships only exist because of Sunday, come on, it's just a a crowd, not a community. Come on, you're just gathering with a crowd. If your relationship just exists for Sunday, then you're just part of the crowd. Come on, not the community. We need to be thinking about, we need to have connection outside of Sunday. See, that's how you grow. That's how you grow in God. That's how your family will grow. That's how your generation will grow. When you are planted in the house of God, when you have relationships in the house of God, 
If all your relationships are outside the church and you only come to church on Sunday, what's that going to speak to your children, to your family? As for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. We'll serve the Lord. We'll belong. We'll be part of, connected. You know, we were blessed that we grew up in a church that made us connect. Today it would have been called, what do they call it now? Control. I'm glad he controlled me. I'm glad I had a leader that controlled me. I'm not sorry for being controlled. Come on, I'm not sorry. It was the best thing for me. Our children's church leader, she was never married. I think 50 when we started children's church, which seemed old when you're 25. (laughs) But 50's young now. (laughs) But she was never married, never had children. But she ran children's church like a tight ship. It was a tight ship. But you knew she loved you. I tell you what, if she called you to office... You're scared. You're very... I mean, this woman had a way of just scaring you. And we weren't at a meeting. We wouldn't dare not go to a meeting. I was like, people, oh, yeah, I'm too tired. No, I don't think I'll go. We had to go. If we were a leader, we had to be there. Unless you were vomiting or contagious. That was pretty much it. You committed, you'll be here. And if you weren't there, she would ring you up the next day. Didn't have, if we, she would, today she most probably would call you in the middle of the meeting on your mobile. <laughs> Why aren't you here? What's your reason? She was a, a school teacher. But we had a pastor who was like that, so that's why she was like that. Thousands got saved. And today there are so many leaders and families that were in that church that are still strong, that are leaders, that are business leaders, that are leaders in the community. Their children are following the Lord. That generational blessing because we were brought up tough. So I believe today it's not tough enough. We have to be politically correct. I don't think Jesus was ever politically correct. Never. But somewhere we've become. And what I see what's happened in the church, it's created a wishy-washy church. Wishy-washy people who are not committed. Don't blow, I don't feel like it today. Well, we didn't have a choice. If our baby was naughty in church, he would stop the service. If your baby was making noise, 5,000 people say, excuse me, lady, uh, yeah, you up there in, in the purple with you. We have built good money on these cry rooms. Now take your noisy kid out and stop interrupting the... <laughs> Could you imagine if I did that? Well, Kylie wouldn't worry. But, <laughs> but if you did that today, oh my gosh. Well, I'm telling you, it never hurt me. It never hurt any of us. All the people I know are still strong, good leaders. You know, the bottom line is God loved you and forgave you. So we have to love each other and forgive each other. People are going to hurt you. They're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen. But, you know, if you start to develop this attitude of forgiveness, it becomes so simple. I'm you, because I could be a person, when I first got saved, I could hold a grudge for months. And if you're my friend and cross me, that's it. You're never my friend again. But see, I was a loyal person. I am a loyal. Loyalty is one of my strongest traits, is loyalty. And a friend is a friend for lifetime. It's a strong trait that I have in me. So when people did that, it's like, well, that's it. 
But aren't you glad God changes people and, and works on you? Now I understand about how God loved me and forgave me and when I let him down, he just didn't let go of me. But you know what? When you adapt, I had to learn to forgive. I had to learn to let things go because what the Lord showed me is that, that what happened is that, uh, in a season and time in the very early years, we'd only be married a couple of years. It's like I literally could say, I don't love Greg. We're married for five years. It's like don't want to be with him, don't love him, don't want to be around him, feel nothing in my heart for him. But God began to show me that when I first met him, he showed me my heart full of love, like a red heart full of love. But every time that he would hurt me, it was like a black dot on my heart. And then another black dot and another black dot. And so for a while where maybe one third of my heart is hurt, but two thirds is love, I can still love. But then when two thirds or half of my heart become black dots and the other heart love, it was a little bit harder. But when the hurt overtook the love, my capacity to love become less and less. Less and less to eventually the hurt become my heart blackened. I had no capacity to love. Not only him, but other people. And it wasn't till I got before the Lord. I wanted him to change him and do something with him. <laughs> but the Lord showed me that he can't forgive me if I don't forgive him. And the Lord began to show me, I've done things wrong. I've hurt him. I've hurt other people. And if I don't forgive Greg, then God, it's, it's a commandment of the Lord that if we don't forgive others, then he can't forgive us. More than anything, I wanted God's love and acceptance. He was the one person that I did love wholeheartedly and was so thankful for everything he'd done in my life. And so I had to let it go. I had to let the hurt go. I had to forgive. I had to just begin to allow God to wash my heart and wash it. Now, forgiving means you forget it. <laughs> Not bring it up every time they make a mistake. And see, that's what's wrong in the church. A lot of us have got hurt after hurt after hurt that our capacity to love people has got so much less and to love each other. But you know, when you take on forgiveness as a part of your life, what happens is now, see, I value my relationship with God more than anything. I value the anointing that he's given me. I value that time when I sit in his presence and I can feel him and I know he's with me. And just those unexpected times when you're sitting there and you feel his presence coming, I value that. I love my time with him. I love everything that he, more than anything, more than my stubbornness to not to forgive somebody because God told me that if I don't forgive others, then he can't forgive me. So then it's going to stop that intimacy that I have with him. It's going to stop that flow of the anointing. It's going to stop that part of my life. So I took it on purely for a selfish reason. <laughs> I don't want God, I don't want beyond God to be unhappy with me. But when I begin to let it go, see now stuff comes, it's like water off a duck's back. And you know, occasionally something comes in, but I'm smart enough now. I get out of here, devil. See, he's got nothing in me in that area anymore. I let it go. I let it go. Sometimes I like to have a little kick and scream, but I, I scream and kick to Greg because I trust him. 
<laughs> he's like, Dale, it'll be all right. Forget about it. He's got real compassion. He's like, shake it off. You'll be right. Shake it off. But you know what? I remember, Norma, when we would come in, because in churches, gossip runs rife. It's one of the biggest things. It's the most sickening, poisoning thing in a church is gossip. And I said, especially when you find out that your friend has talked about you. And you know what? It's like that Chinese whisper. It's never really what it is. Never. Come on. And I remember when, when the early days, we'd go in and um, young girls, we all used to gossip. And Pastor Norma would call you in her office. Now, I heard that you said this. No, she didn't say I heard. She said, I know. There's no she heard because she wasn't going to give you any way out. I know that you've been speaking this. And she said, now how do you know that? And I said, because so-and-so told me. No, how do you know? So-and-so told me. Did you hear it from the horse's mouth? Uh, No. She said, well, if you didn't hear it from the horse's mouth, and even if you did hear it from the horse's mouth, you should never repeat. I tell you what, she would call you out every time. And Greg was like that as well. He'd say, I'd say, Dale, did you go, yeah, and how do you know that? I'd say, because I know, because I know. And he goes, no, did you hear? He was adapted. Did you hear from the horse's mouth? I'm like, no, but she is next to the horse's mouth. No. <laughs> did you hear? He took on. He took on pastors. It's like, won't listen to it. Won't have any part of it. But I understand now why God did that in me early years because of what we do today. Come on, people confide in us. Pastors and people, they're going to know that they trust you. You know, one of the things that happened to me early in my years of being saved, I was someone who never shared anything with anybody. I was a closed book, never told anyone about my past or anything. When I got saved, that was it. I never spoke of my past to anybody. And I had this good friend and I just happened to tell tell us some stuff. For the first time, I opened up and told someone. The very next day, I ran into another pastor in the supermarket and she said, I'm so sorry about such and such. I'm like, it was like a knife in my heart. It hurts so bad to think I just told her the day before. But I believe God allowed me to experience that. So then I would protect other people. And he put that, he allowed me to experience that. So I knew what it was like. And so I understood about keeping confidentiality. And that if I've ever felt I had to share something that someone's told me confidentially, if I felt I've had to share it with someone above me to get some help because it was, I felt it was beyond my capabilities, I would always ask the person first. Listen, I'm going to talk to my spiritual because I'm feeling, or I know this person who's got more expertise in this area than me. Do you mind if I talk to them? And if they say no, then that's it. You can't do it. I believe one of the other things is that we need to speak a little less and listen a little more. That's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. Very interesting, hey? So we're to listen twice as much as we speak. If you're willing and able to listen to others, you'll find out you're much appreciated by your friends. Some people are not aware of how much they dominate a conversation. Can we need to listen? Sometimes people just need someone to talk to. 
You've got to remember in friendships that you don't always have to win the argument, and especially in a marriage. What's more important, being right or maintaining harmony? Come on, at the end of the day, with your friendships in a marriage, what's more important, being right? Oh, you got it, you're right. But now the friendship's ruined or the household's just a mess, but you're right. It's always someone wisdom shuts its mouth. And it's a prayer I've had to pray a long time. Wisdom shuts its mouth. Wisdom shuts its mouth. Wisdom shuts its mouth. I keep telling myself in the early days, quote scripture, wisdom shuts its mouth. Wisdom shuts its mouth. And I'm so glad that God's helped me to learn that now because there's times where I'm beginning to say things and Greg's had the more wisdom in that area than me at times. And I go, honey, don't say it. Don't say it, but I want to say it. I want to say it. He's going, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't. He said to me, don't. I'm like, yes, I need to deal with this. I need to do it. He goes, no, just let it go. It's not the, just, don't say anything. And then later I find out, oh, I'm so glad I didn't say anything. <laughs> do you know those moments? They're like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't say anything. Wisdom shuts its mouth. Learning that when something's getting heated in a friendship, just close your mouth. Be the bigger person. Always one of the things is winning the argument. What eternal value does that have? But creating harmony, keeping a friendship, what, eter- what great eternal value that has. One of the things in my household I always thought about when raising my children, when they did things, One of the measures I had, because sometimes we can get mad about stupid things that don't really have an eternal value. And so I'd have a measure in my household. What eternal value does this have? When you're thinking about relationships, when you're thinking about anything you do, what eternal value does it have? For you to be right, well, that could have a really bad eternal value for you. (laughs) But maintaining harmony, come on, closing your mouth. Number three is avoid gossip. And I've spoken about that already because you know what? People will eventually always hear what you say. And one of the things for me is I don't really trust someone who continually talks about other people because be assured if they're continually talking about other people, they're talking about you. Come on. Because it's something that's in them. Someone who comes to a church and rubbishes the the other church that they're in, talks about all the people, pulls all the people down. I'm wary of that. Let's be people that put guards over our mouth. Come on, let's be people that lift up. Let's Let's not be. If we create that culture in here, then we will wipe it out of this place. Come on, we will wipe it out of the kingdom of God. We will have such a standard in this place that when new people come in, when revivals, other people come, they might be like that. Come on, because we're all united together. We are forever family. We are kingdom family. We love the Lord. We're going to bring life. We're going to love one another. That's a culture that we will create and everybody will come up to that standard and people will look and say wow that's an incredible place they love each other they care about each other I believe it's what the Lord there's been so much disunity in the church number four I believe is forgiveness and I've talked about forgiveness is not just a cliche come on it's a powerful fact factor in maintaining healthy relationships you're going to have to forgive at some time 
Real forgiveness means that we're willing to forget the experience. That's what real forgiveness is, that we're willing to forget it. Know when to keep silent. I think I covered that as well. I'm really ahead of myself. Number six is being, you know, hang around people like-minded, like spirit. You don't want to see harm come to them. Being free from jealousy. I, what amazes me is that the word jealousy, the latter part of it is lousy. When you spell it, come on. If you are jealous of somebody, all it does is make you feel lousy. That's the fruit. And that's why I believe the last part is about lousy. Jealousy is a horrible thing. Jealousy is usually because they're succeeding and you're not. Jealousy is a horrible thing. Come on, if you're jealous of somebody, stop being jealous. Get around them, celebrate them. Ask them, how did you get to where you are? How come? Because normally when we're jealous of someone, it's because they're succeeding in something that we so want to be. You know, you talk about someone who's like, dresses good, someone's like, it's usually because it's something lacking in you. You've got some healing that you need in you. There's something inside of you and you're jealous of that person because they're everything that you're not. So then what you want to do is get around that person. Come on, learn from them. Ask them, how did you get like, you know, I always say to people, it's like when someone gets blessed financially and you're believing, you're believing God for a a new car and you've been believing God and you sowed money and you've believed and then along comes Cass and she gets a brand new car. You're like, and she's like, what? And you're like, hmm, she always gets it. What's that about? She's always, come on. And it's almost like you see in the church that people think that was God's last car that he's ever going to give out. (laughs) Or someone gets blessed and gets a financial blessing. You're like, well, that's it. God's run out of money now. (laughs) He's obviously not going to give me. Come on. But what I see is when somebody's blessed and I've got a need, what I do is press in and believe God because I'm like, well, God must be giving out cars at the moment. I'm getting in line. I need one. Or if I need money and someone, but see, if God's not blessing anybody, I'm like, oh, it's just a bad time. No one's got any money. Oh, I've got to go through this a bit longer. But when I see someone blessed, I'm excited because I think, well, God, if you did it for them, you'll do it for me. Come on, when you're just, God, if you bless them, how did they get blessed? How did they get so confident? How did they become a leader? How did they have a good marriage? How did they raise? Don't be jealous. Ask them. Learn from them. Because obviously they've succeeded at something because they're being blessed in it. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. I believe another key is have fun, laugh, humor. Come on, it's exciting. Have a good giggle. Don't take yourself too serious. My husband's a good example of that, never takes himself serious. But he's fun to be around. Come on, I love being around him. And that's what's helped make me who I am today, to not be so tied up and caught up and twisted in knots because, well, why, why bother? It's like, Greg doesn't worry about anything. It's just... And just, I get mad with him. I, I used to get so mad with him. I didn't want to talk to him. So mad. I'm just not talking to him. Got your not talking face on. Got the body tent. I'm not going to look at you. I'm not going to speak to you. I'm keeping my face. But he wouldn't try and make me laugh. 
And then eventually I would laugh. And you know, once you laugh, you can't be mad. So it was a good ingredient to have him in my life. He just makes me laugh. And now it's like, oh, just laugh at it. But it's fun. He's fun to be around. We have fun in our household. When we all get together, we have fun. We laugh. We, it's just a good time. Fun. Come on, humor is wonderful. Don't be saying, if you're not someone who laughs, get lots of comedies till you release that laughter. Clean comedy. Good comedy. Come on. If you're someone who's always sad, get some good, watch comedies all week till you get happy. I'm giving you permission, as long as they're clean. G-rated comedy. No, you can do PG. I think we're okay for PG. (laughs) But get out some good, laugh, laughter is so good for you. Come on, it releases endorphins or whatever those things are. It makes you feel good. What is it? Ah, who cares? Anyway, it makes you feel good. (laughs) Have fun. I'm finishing off. Psalm 133, I said, God commands a blessing where there is unity. Now it says this, Behold, how good and how pleasant is it for the brethren to dwell in unity. It is like precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For the Lord there commands the blessing and life forevermore. Life forevermore. That's what God commands. A blessing and life when we dwell together in unity. Let's make it our heart. Let's make it our God. I know every one of us, including myself, we've all got areas that we can pick up in this. We've all can do, but you know what? There's enough of us here to change a community, to change. It takes three weeks to make or break a habit. There's three weeks to make or break a habit. Let's as a church believe God. We're going to have a habit. We're going to break the habit of pulling down. We're going to break the habit of gossip. We're going to break the habit of seeing the bad in people. We're going to look for the good. Come on, we're going to celebrate the good. We're going to encourage. We're going to build up. Come on. It might be the same in your household. Maybe your household, a house of pulling down or it's the house of misery at the moment. Change the language in the house. You know, I love it. So if you don't like what you see, then change what you say. Come on, if you don't like what you see, then change what you say. If you start to walk around the household loving, lifting up, encouraging, it's amazing when we encourage people, when we bring life to people. Come on, it does nothing. When you bring down someone, you feel bad, they feel bad, the atmosphere's bad. Nothing ever feels good. It's just a culture of yuck. And you'll just attract yucky things. Come on, that's what will be attracted in your household. Your household will be like that. Be a household of praise. Be the person in your workplace. If everybody in your workplace is grumpy old sods, then you be the happy one. As Greg preached, this is the double month of happy. Get the happy song on. 
You know, when you listen to that song, Happy, you can't not be happy. There's something about it that makes you feel happy. As, as Greg said before, that song's been number one for so long. Why? Because everybody wants to be happy. As he, as he shared, no one sings a song, Oh, I want to be sad. I want to be sad. Come on, what does that do? Imagine the worship leaders got up and sang how bad everything is. And, oh, the world's going to end. Oh, there's so much. Imagine if they did that. Imagine if we got up and preached that every Sunday. How would you leave here? But worship lifts you up. Come on. Worship lifts you up when we praise. Fill your house with praise. Fill your mouth with praise. Lift up, build up. Smile at people. Fake it till you make it. I don't want to fake. Come on. Even if you just find something, there's always something. I find there's something you can find in somebody. Wow, you've got beautiful eyes. You've got a beautiful smile. You look nice today. How does that make someone feel? You know, a lot of the time we notice someone. We notice that they look nice or their hair's changed, but we just don't say anything. But it's incredible when you encourage. I remember, I never shared our little grandson. And so when I encourage him, the middle one, BJ, he's very much on encouragement. And his brother said to him, you're a naughty boy. You're a bad boy. I'm not a naughty boy. I'm not a naughty boy. And he gets madder and he gets madder. I did boy. I did boy. I'm not a naughty boy. And then it's like, and I said, you're such a good boy. When he's being naughty, I say, your nana's good boy. I say, you're such a good boy. You tell him he starts packing up the toys and, and he wants to help me. He wants to find out what jobs he can do. But if I tell him he's a naughty boy, all he does is get mad and he starts throwing things and, and he gets But when I tell him he's a good boy and that I love him, his little chest puffs out. Come on, even with Zara, it's like now it's, she's learning. We tell her no and she looks at you. But when we tell her you're a good girl and we clap her, she wants us all to clap her. Come on, let's be a people like that. Let's clap people. Let's cheer people on. Let's not be booers. Let's stand this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I just want us to look to the Lord. Now, I know every one of us, there's areas that we could lift our game, that we could lift in this. But what I feel is some of us here, we've just got a lifestyle of gossiping, of pulling down, pulling down people, talking about people, criticising people. God wants you to be free of that today. And I believe that it's just simply ask God to forgive you. Forgive me for my harshness. Forgive me for my criticalness. Forgive me for my hardness of heart. And you know what I, what I found is hurting people hurt people. And normally when we're people like that, when you're someone who criticizes and always speaks bad, you're a hurting person. And God wants to bring healing to you. But number one, you've got to forgive others. So in your own words, so just ask the Lord, release those ones that have hurt you. 
Release them to the Lord right now and ask him for forgiveness for what you've spoken, for your negativity, for your attitude. Lord, I pray this morning that as we ask forgiveness and Lord, as we forgive others, that you wash all the hurt away. Lord, those darts, those black spots that have been on our heart, Lord, create in me a clean heart today. Lord, create in us clean hearts. Lord, that we would be a people that would bring life. Lord, that people will know. We don't have to say we're Christians. We don't have to say we're you. But people will know because of the love we have. Lord, because that's different today. People don't love each other. People don't care about each other. Lord, people will bump people off as quick as look at them. But Father, we will are your people. And you love us. And Lord, we'll be a people that will love people and have love for one another. Lord, I pray today that we would build relationships, that we would stretch out of our comfort zone in this church, that we'll have a heart to build friendships, to build relationships. Lord, that if we've been ones that have been isolated, if we've been ones that have been on the outer, Father, we will make the step forward. Father, we will be the one that will reach out. We'll belong. We'll belong to a group. We'll ask people over. Father, we want to be those ones. Now, Father, I break off even a spirit of isolation that will try and isolate, that will try and, like, separate them from the bunch. Lord, I break rejection today. You know, some of it, it's like you can't build friendships up because you've been rejected and you're afraid of rejection. Father, I take authority over that right now. I break a spirit of rejection today. And Father, I thank you right now. They're not rejected. They're loved. Father, they have much to give. And Father, I thank you when the enemies try to isolate. Lord, that you bring in. Lord, that we will be a house of love. Lord, that people will know we love you but we love one another. Now, Lord, I pray today, put a guard over our mouths. Lord, help me to speak life, not to pull down, to speak life. Lord, give me wisdom. Let me repeat that. Wisdom shuts its mouth. Wisdom shuts its mouth. Lord, Holy Spirit, remind me. Remind me, Holy Spirit, when I'm about to speak wrong, when I'm about to pull down, when I'm about to not bring life. Holy Spirit, remind me to speak life. And Father, I thank you for what you're doing in your people. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, it's so much better to dwell in that place. And Lord, where we dwell in unity, you command the blessing for us, for our families, for our church, for our community. Now, Lord, we thank you for it today. Thank you, Lord.